Welcome to the Dr. Dad's Podcast, where a naturopath and chiropractor come together each week to share lifestyle medicine, health advice, and inspiring interviews with some of the top experts in health and wellness, bringing you the latest in nutrition, exercise, ancient healing, toxins and detox, your microbiome, mindset, hormones, brain, and much more. Stay tuned. We're going to teach you how to experience growth daily. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of my favorite show, my favorite weekly show, the Dr. Dad's Podcast. I'm here with my one of my just my best brothers uh, of all time. I mean, you really, David Wardy, the doctor, he's in the house. I'm going to interview you today. And uh, man, we, we have so many people that we connect with, you know, over a lifetime. But I got to say, like, you know, you've been like a brother to me, even though, you know, we don't live in the same vicinity. But every time we connect, you know, whether it's through Zoom calls or, or just in person, it's, you know, so it's like coming home. And, uh, you know, it's like we are we're always on the same page. You know, even just creating this podcast together is never there's no like there's no challenges it's like you know maybe sometimes we might uh, miss a call or or you know maybe we have to reschedule things on each other once in a while but there's no like there's never this feeling of uh you know these hard feelings it's just always like hey we're, we're just constantly adjusting and adapting to one another and it, i just so appreciate you in my life and i'm looking forward to interviewing you today ditto brother <laughs> lots of love right back at you yeah, man, it's nice, right? Like, I, I find that I feel like when you meet individuals, like we talk about, like our soul brothers and sisters, right? At the retreat a couple years ago, when you find the right people that are supposed to exist in your life, it's almost like you're at that same frequency, that same vibration as those people. So I love it that when we always connect, even if it's just for an hour a week, that like we we can talk about one little thing and you're like, hey, me too. And like we're on that same page with, with where we're at. Yeah. yeah. And same thing, man. Like a blessing, very grateful, man. And yeah, like I said last week, miss you guys, man. Like yeah. I can't wait till we can, you know, see each other and spend some quality time. And but yeah, it's it's um it's beautiful, man. It's it's it nice is. and I appreciate you, brother. Thank you. So hopefully you guys soaked up some of that bromance uh you've tuned into and it's been like that for david and i since we met we really just you know you just find someone you click with and you just can't get enough of spending time and being around one another and um and we love our wives dearly and and there's so much like overlap right like we're both of the boys like you got one son i've got two two boys uh i mean our wives are amazing dancers and and cooks and they have so much um salsa masala salsa masala like they're <laughs> And for those of you who don't know what that is, I mean, most of you know what salsa is, but masala is spice too. Like we we've we married really spicy women, yeah, and who who really challenge us and provoke us. And so there's like there's and you know both of us, David and I, both grew up in more of like a Christian setting where we've kind of like at some point revolted and found peace with it and but found our own kind of way. And so we we have this so much like crossover and similarity in in our upbringing, both of. David and I tend to be a little bit more introverted and you know, like self-discovery and in, inquisition, curious, self-taught learning, you know, and, and whereas like Sonia and uh, Salsa, the Sol and Salsa <laughs> are, are really like expressive in how they dance and like, you know, uh, and they're really much more about like building community and, and I'd be fine like living in a, in a cave for like, a month probably and i imagine something similar for you like I, oh I, you for know, sure but i really like having close 
human contact with people that I deeply connect with. And uh, so anyways, that's, that's a little foray into uh, our relationship for those of you who don't know. That's why it works so well, man. That's it. Yeah, totally. So we're, we're talking about something not really related to that, but we're talking about your feet. And I'm going to start uh, with some, a whole bunch of questions and Dave, David's going to go off on uh, everything that he shares. But one of, one of the things that I keep, I've been thinking about lately, and that's like this understanding. And again, this isn't necessarily related to what we're going to be talking about, but I think about this concept of the mind and how the mind is like, you know, housed in some sort of energy body that maybe, um, I don't know if it necessarily has location, but often think that everything happens in our head and we, we perceive our mind as somewhere in the locale of our head. Um, but then when I start thinking like, well, mind is essentially in every aspect of our body. It's in our fingertips, it's in our toes, it's in our feet, but it's funny how head centered we are, you know? Um, and I think we do that because I think we, we often correlate everything that, that, that happens is something that first happens in our brain and, and, and then down to our body. And the chiropractic philosophy is, is this sort of two-way communication if we're talking about the physical level. But I often think, well, what is the consciousness of the foot or the mind? Can, it can actually like present itself into these different locales of our body. And so we're going to put a big focus in on the feet today because it's such an important you know, aspect to the, to the whole. So, and like I said, I'm going to digress and that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with what we're going to be speaking to, but we're just, I wanted to sort of shift our attention from this head space and then down into, uh, down into the feet. So what do you think so important about the feet? Well, to kind of piggyback off what you were just talking about the mind that does have a place there, man. So like, from a sensory point, because we're sensory beings, okay? And you think about this, like when we're babies, we don't talk much, right? But we're very tactile. So I can't remember the model, but in anatomy, they kind of show this guy where the hands are ginormous, the feet are ginormous, the lips are ginormous, the ears are ginormous. You've seen that, right? Mm -hmm. And this is because the amount of nerve endings and that we have in these places of our body. So when we actually are born, that's how we start experiencing our world. You see babies with their hands in their mouth and their feet in their mouth. And, you know, we're constantly touching things and, so we're constantly just uploading this sensory information and then our mind is having to basically experience that sensory component. And then that's how we dive into the world, man. So your feet, they're the foundation, man. I mean, you really think as a human being, when we're moving on a daily basis and how we interact with our world, our feet are the first thing to hit the ground. And so we're constantly basically having to have this solid foundation beneath us to carry us through life. And depending on the overall health of that foundation is going to determine how well this vehicle carries us on this journey, but also just into simple things like people dealing with pain, right? You know, foot pain, ankle pain, knee pain, hip pain, neck pain, shoulder pain, I mean, all the pains that we can experience can all really start down just in the feet, believe it or not. So it does go along with the mind, man, because when you look at the neurology of what we are, I mean, the feet are this massive, I, I just, whenever I think sense from a sensory point, they're ginormous, man. We're constantly feeling our foundation. So yeah, let's get into it, man, because this is kind of a journey I've had to take over my 15 years in practice 
and I found some truths in some things and some not so, so much truths and some stuff I was taught and back in school and some of these things that were, you know, kind of ingrained in us, but uh, through experience and practice and helping people on their journeys with these things, I've, I've been able to help a lot of people and come to some truths that I want to share today to help people kind of help themselves. Cool. That's awesome. That's a, I loved how you described the, the introduction as, as babies and the exploration that, that, that we all go on and that, that, that next sort of dimensional change that we go through from this more horizontal plane into the vertical one where we start standing on our feet. And uh, that was a beautiful way of sort of introducing yeah, the discussion today. So one of, the, one of the things I think that I would like to eventually get to is, is maybe even talking about the energetics into reflexology and some of the acupuncture meridians that, that are contained within the map of the foot, but let's just keep it really I guess, structural to begin with, and let us move into that direction. Um, so what are some things, like I love how you talked about, like there's this correlation between say neck pain and, and, and posture and, and, and all the way trickles down, down into the feet. But what are some like common things, pathologies, challenges, et cetera, that people feel in the feet, you know, maybe from plantar fasciitis all the way to you know, hammer toe, I don't know. So what are some physical things that you see? Well, yeah, so you, so you start with one of the most popular ones that you'll see a lot of, which is plantar fasciitis, which a lot of people struggle with. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a second once we talk into about, we're going to get into a little bit about the plantar vault and talk more of like an engineer when you look at it from an engineering standpoint of how that actually happens to most people and how to resolve that. Because there's a lot of treatments out there that aren't very effective for plantar fasciitis. And it's because they're not getting to the root cause of it. They're just kind of treating the symptoms. Okay. But you know, you got plantar fasciitis, you have people that have issues with their knees. So another big one is people that have knee pain. So if you're somebody who has chronic knee issues and you've never really had any traumas to your knees, most likely this is not a problem in the knee. This is either coming from the foot or the hip or possibly your spine, um, all the way to low back pain, hip pain, like I said, neck pain. Mm-hmm. So Remember, our feet are our foundation, and they're the beginning of the biomechanic chain. So one of the sayings I always tell my patients is when the foot hits the ground, the whole chain goes off all the way to the top of your neck. So if we do not have a healthy foundation, we're going to have some problems. And they may not show up right away, but it sometimes can take decades of things breaking down slowly, and then they start to show up very mildly. And then when they get bad enough, you're going to start to have pain, which is just that kind of alarm going off. And your brain saying, hey, I need you to do something. Something's off. Something's wrong right now. So let's just jump into the anatomy real quick. We'll just kind of start with structure like you were talking about. So we have something called the plantar vault on the bottom of our feet. And basically, it's composed of three, three of your arches. So these are the big muscles that you feel on the bottom of the feet. We have our medial arch, the transverse that runs right across those metatarsal heads, and then the lateral arch of the foot. So this is like a triangle, right? And so this triangle, these are basically just big muscle bundles. And this is where we load most of the day when we heel strike and push off on the ball of our foot. These are the muscles that are taking about 60% of the load under our feet when we move all the time. And then in between that triangle, right in between, we have a lot of intrinsic muscles and we have the plantar fascia. And this takes about 40%. So then, like I said earlier, you want to kind of think like an engineer here. So these big muscle bundles need to have good integrity. They need to have stability because they have to be able to hold all the bones in our feet and stabilize the ankle and that lower leg, right? So I always tell people, if we don't have good, basically 
we don't have healthy muscles in the bottom of the feet, we're going to have issues of integrity in the foot and the ankle. So if you think like an engineer for a second, if we're taking 60% of the load on these big muscles of this plantar vault and only 40% where that plantar fascia is, what happens if that those bigger muscles start to weaken? Where's the load going to go? Or the fascia. It's the only place it has to go, right? Like it's not going to go anywhere else. Somewhere else has to pick up the slack for those muscles not doing their job. So then we're going to overload that plantar fascia and that causes, you said it before, Mm -hmm. plantar fasciitis and i just gave literally the cause of plantar fasciitis so what's interesting is most people have no idea what causes their plantar fasciitis Mm -hmm. they think it's just tightness in the bottom of their feet they have no idea it's because they have either atrophy of like the medial or the lateral arches or just the plantar vault that's actually causing their problem so what i found out the hard way during my career is you know, in school, we're exposed to like putting people in orthotics, right? Mm-hmm. But if you really look at an orthotic, what is an orthotic? It's just elevating your arch, essentially, or yeah. doing some sort of modification to the arch. Yeah. So it's a brace, yeah. pretty much, right? So it's pretty much a brace. So then they put a brace in your shoe under your foot to elevate your arch, which when you think about this for a second, is that going to strengthen your feet? It's going to no. weaken them. It's going to weaken it over time, right? So it's going to make problems worse, most likely, because you're not really fixing anything. You're just bracing it. So I always give the analogy of like a knee brace. If you had a knee problem, I just put a brace on it. Am I strengthening your knee or am I just like, what's going to happen over time? And everybody will say the same thing you said. They'll say, well, it's going to get weak over time. I'm like, yeah, because you're bracing it. So most people think that's the answer. They go straight to bracing when they have a problem in their feet. So I tried this for many years. I want to say probably about seven years of my career, I put people in orthotics. And it was interesting. I would find maybe about 50%, maybe 50% of people would see some improvements in either their foot problems or their knee or, or back issues. Or I would try to use them to help, you know, level people's pelvises out when they had pelvic and leveling. I didn't see a lot of success there. Not enough to where I would say I was really sold on the whole orthotic idea. So then I remember I took, I took this, this whole year when you're during practice and I said, there's got to be a better way to do this. There's got to be a better answer. So then I started doing some research and started reading a lot of stuff and looking at some stuff and realized, okay, the foot has to be strengthened. This is a, an issue with the vault. So we need to figure out how do we strengthen people's arches? Well, to get somebody to rehabilitate their foot, like by doing exercises. And I mean, that would take forever. It's very repetitive. People won't make the time for it. It's just not ideal to get people to do. So I thought, well, what is, what if there is something we could put under the foot that's similar to an orthotic, but it's not a brace that could actually rehab the feet that could actually strengthen these muscles over time and change the shape of the feet so that we can have an improvement here. So what that led me to just to, to make a long story short is actually strengthening the foot versus bracing it. So this is a very important concept. Whenever we're needing to address our foundation, most of the time it's an issue of having to strengthen the foot. And that's kind of where we need to start, whether it's plantar fasciitis or any of these these problems that that we have, right? But real quick, before we go down that road, why don't we talk about how we get there? Like, how do we ha- end up having these problems? Yeah, and and just just a, a quick question on that 60-40. Like, when, when I'm hearing you speak to the 60% is in that, that vault, which com- comprises of those three muscles, the lateral, the medial, and the, and the 
transverse yeah. transverse mm -hmm. um and then 40 percent in the fascia like what role do the pads of like the um you know the let's say the jeez uh, i'm a loss for words the, the, the phalanges of the feet and the yeah <laughs> and like what about like aren't they taking any of the like the ball like the pad, upper pads of the feet the what i want to say the the, the tarsals like the, the tarsal right. bone like are they taking any of the the pressure too and, and the toes of the feet well let's talk about that so what are the primary stabilizers of joints muscles right so yeah i mean when we're walking let's say you have no muscles in your feet and you, you just have barely enough to hold them together all those most all those bones are going to flatten out on the ground you're not going to have any integrity in the joint the muscles are what give the joints in our feet integrity so the moment you take that active system, which is the muscles, and it's struggling, you're going to have a joint integrity problem. Mm -hmm. So then now this moves into, like you're saying, the heel and the ball of the foot and the tarsals and all these things right here, they're not stable. They've lost stability. And that's what leads to a lot of the pain and the problems. Mm -hmm. And then we'll talk about the neural component in a second, but the active system is the muscles. So you're talking about a passive system, which is the bones and the ligaments, right? And the feet yeah. and those joint spaces and the cartilage. And this system needs to have integrity, but really the only thing that affects that system is if let's say you tear a ligament and one of the joints in your feet or your ankle, or there's a damage, fracture or something or a fracture yeah. of the bone, or yeah. let's say you tear uh, some cartilage. There's, there's the actual damage to this passive subsystem. Yes, that can have an influence. But the active system is what's holding everything together. And if that active system can't do its job, then we don't have integrity in the feet. Okay. So let's, yeah. So let's talk about how we get there then. What are some, some ways that that breaks down? So we weren't really ever meant to wear shoes. Let's just start by saying that as human beings, we're at a shift. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we don't, we're not supposed to wear shoes. No. What? <laughs> you know, with modern times, shoes were developed, and then I don't think there was a really big, um, I don't think rolling into the shoe game, it was really about function. It was more about maybe looks and just taking care of your feet and keeping them from getting all banged up. But the reality is, man, most people don't pick out their shoes for any kind of function. It's mostly off what? Oh, I like how, these shoes. How good these do are I cool. Like shoes. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> or it's because of a job they do. Maybe they have to wear a certain kind of shoe for work, right? Mm -hmm. So let's get into shoes real quick. So the problem usually is shoes. That's usually what kind of will start to progress and cause problems in the feet. And this can start as early as when you're a child and your, your parents start to put you in shoes and they put you in the wrong shoes. Hmm. So we need responsiveness in our feet. If there's no responsiveness in the shoe that you're wearing, it's kind of like wearing a brace, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So if you look at a lot of shoes, and I use examples like boots, right? Uh, some basketball shoes are not very responsive. I mean, you played basketball. How yeah. stiff were the soles of most of those basketball Dude, shoes? I had so many sprained ankles. I was going to ask you, like, what, what would lead to more instability there? And you're kind of yeah. speaking to it. Yeah. Yeah. You were wearing a brace. Yeah. You weren't getting any stimulation in the foot, right? Yeah. So you, you look at most shoes and the more stiff that that sole is, the less responsiveness your feet have to be. And it's like wearing a brace all day. So if my feet aren't being stimulated on a daily basis with the shoes I'm wearing, what's going to happen to the muscles in my feet over time? Weaken. 
We're going to weekend. Yep. I can't tell you how many, you know, I live in El Paso, Texas, right? And we see a ton of people that work on ranches and farms mm. and in factories. And they have to wear anywhere from like steel toe boots yeah. to cowboy boots to ranchers type boots, right? And so all these people end up having massive issues with their feet. They struggle with plantar fasciitis and they end up having low back issues. And it's literally because their feet. And I can't tell you how many of those individuals I've helped just by fixing their feet. Wow. And then teaching them how to take care of them because they have to wear those types of boots for a mm. living and them understanding how to take care of that, of that part of their body. I got, I got to ask a question. So, you know, I hear a lot of, you know, orthotic focused chiropractors or what have you talk about, you got to get the stiffest shoe possible because as soon as you can flex the shoe, it's a problem. And here you're speaking the exact opposite. So let's break down like the sole, the structure, and is there any shoe companies or shoe shoes, you know, specifics that we should be looking for as consumers? So there's three rules I give everybody when it goes to buying a shoe. Number one, make sure that you're buying, make sure that the shoe that you're buying is for the purpose that you're wearing it for. So just like a car, there are certain tires for certain functions. You wouldn't put like a four-wheeling tire on a sports car, would you? And you wouldn't put sports, you know, like Ferrari tires on a four-wheel drive, right? Mm. But a lot of people, again, they don't buy their shoes based off of function. They buy them off looks. Yeah. Okay. So like, for example, I see a lot of people wearing running shoes as their everyday shoe. That's a big no-no. A running shoe is built to run in and that's it. The moment you're done running, you take it off, right? Mm -hmm. So for a daily lifestyle shoe, you should be wearing something like a cross trainer, right? Something that's, that's mm -hmm. meant for just daily use. Running, wear a running shoe. Hiking, wear a hiking shoe, right? I mean, the list goes on on the kind of tires we need to put on our body to give us that function. So that's the first place it starts. Then from there... We go into three things that you need to focus on when you're buying a shoe. Number one is the sole of the shoe. So you'll notice in this day and age, we have some soles that are like super thick all the way down to like minimalists that are super thin. So the big thing there is number one is that sole needs to be flat from the heel to the toe bed. Because we see a lot of shoes now, they have these massive big thickness oh, yeah. on the back of the heels, right? And then it like drops off a little bit into the toe bed. Okay. And then the heel's a little elevated. We don't want that either. So you want almost a flat sole from heel to toe. Okay. The second thing is. And that'd be for uh, everyday use. Like that'd be for everyday work, use. Yeah. Walking around, whatever. Yeah. yeah. You don't want something that has this like big heel in the back and then drops down forward, which you'll see on some types of tennis shoes. even. So I'm thinking like flat soled shoes would be like Converse, like the. Yeah, Converse Vans and Vans yeah. and, you know, Nike has a bunch. Um, yeah. You know, we'll Adidas had some of those ones like those. Yeah, yeah. almost yeah. every brand has some that yeah. are more of a flat from back to front. Mm -hmm. okay. The second thing is the toe bed. This is where a lot of people get the, like you said earlier, deformity in the toes or the big mm -hmm. toe, they get bunions, yeah. right? And it's because the toe bed is too small for their foot. So they're sticking their foot in a toe bed that's literally compressing the toe bed all day. And there's not a lot of room for those toes to sprawl out. Mm -hmm. Those toes are supposed to sprawl out and you should be able to move your toes in the front of that toe bed. 
So there's a lot of companies, again, that make toes designed specifically for this. Like Merrill is a good brand. If you notice some Merrill shoes, it's a little bit more rounded at the front end of their shoe, right? Right. Even like these barefoot shoes I'll talk about in a second, the Vivo barefoot shoes, they're built for bare, for barefoot walking and they've got a nice rounded toe bed in the front. So there's plenty of space in the front of the shoe where their, their toes aren't being crammed in. You know who deals with most of those issues with the toe deformities? Who do you think, men or women? women why high 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 heels and you yeah. said it man <laughs> they're cramming their feet into these like miniature yeah. like triangular shaped heels or these like slip on like i don't know what they are but wow and then they wonder like why they start having foot problems and deformities in their feet when they get into their like 40s and 50s like well, what kind of shoes have you been wearing your whole life oh i've been cramming my toes in these little things every day right wow. same thing with back issues they're wearing a heel every day I've had women that can't go to a flat. They're in so much pain. Okay. <laughs> so the toe bed's got to be big enough that you can move your, your toes around. And there, there's not any rubbing or friction on either side. of the So that's, that's level two. First level is flat. Yeah. Second one is a uh, wide enough toe bed yep. for it's your huge. foot shape. Yeah. yeah. And then some people, some people have wider feet than others. So if you just happen to be someone that has wide feet, you have to order a wide shoe. Mm -hmm. So you may be somebody who's constantly wearing narrow shoes. One way to actually notice that is the middle part of your foot. If it's hanging over the sole of your shoe, which I see a lot of people wearing shoes and their foot's literally hanging over the sole, you cannot wear normal shoes. You are wide and you need to wear wide shoes. Wow. So the third thing is responsiveness. Okay. So we don't want to wear a shoe that doesn't have any responsiveness. So you pick up the shoe and you sit there and you try to bend the sole there's some shoes you'll try to sit there and bend them and there is absolutely no give to that shoe. It is like solid. Mm. Of course, we'll see this in boots and things like that. But even in some tennis shoes, man, you pick up a tennis shoe and there's no give. It's like hard as a rock. Okay. That's mm. not a good idea. Again, we need responsiveness in the shoes that we wear because we almost want to mimic barefoot walking. So the analogy I give there, just the story is when we were kids, did you have your parents like always yelling at you to put on shoes? You'd always I know I, I, know I do that to my kids. <laughs> yeah, but they, in, they yeah. innately don't like putting on their shoes. Totally, yeah. They like to go outside and run barefoot. They, yeah. They're always barefoot. Why? Because it felt better than putting shoes on. Mm -hmm. And then your parents are yelling at you, right? Like, put on your shoes, put on your shoes. Well, that responsiveness feels great. You can yeah. feel a whole lot more of the ground and these uneven surfaces and everything you're experiencing when you're barefoot. So we can still wear a shoe and get that same benefit, but we need to make sure we're wearing shoes that are responsive. So when you pick up that shoe, you want that shoe to bend. You want some responsiveness in that shoe. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're someone who has horrible feet, don't go from wearing like these braces you've been worn for years to like a thin, thin sole. I'm not saying to jump from, from 10 to one, you're going to have to progress down slowly to something more responsive. So some people need a little bit more support and a little bit of responsiveness. So it's kind of finding what works for you, but ideally you need a little bit of responsiveness in that sole and that sole should bend when you flex that shoe in the toe bed and in the heel bed. Mm. Man, that's amazing information. Anything else around um, how to purchase the most specific shoe for yourself? Anything else that you want to say to that before well, the, we move on to another piece? Yeah, the other thing I would just hit home is like we're all have a different baseline here. 
So for someone who doesn't have any foot problems, you've been wearing something that's slightly responsive. Maybe you need to just get something more flat or a bigger toe bed, then just make some changes there. But if you have a lot of foot issues and you've been wearing maybe boots or something real stiff for many years, don't jump to like a super responsive shoe. You got to kind of like titrate your way down over maybe three or four pairs of shoes over a couple of years to where your feet start to change shape. And then they handle more, they get stronger and then they can handle more responsiveness. So you kind of have to just know where your baseline is and then work your way from there to, to some different shoes over time. Mm -hmm. So in other words, don't come from like a boot to like a barefoot walking shoe. Not right. a good idea. Wouldn't work out well for you. No, and, and definitely not going from like a running shoe into a barefoot running shoe right off the no. bat. And, no. and so what would be some ways to break in that shoe or to progress down? Could you you know, maybe wear those barefoot shoes for like an hour and just do some gentle walking, that kind of thing. And then slowly progress up to some more, you know, higher intensity activity or, you know, what will so be a progression there for performance? So typically I tell people if we're trying something new out, start just by walking in the shoe or maybe working out at the gym and see how you do. Then if you're doing good, then start moving into higher dosages, which means longer times in that shoe and maybe more intensity, like you're saying, maybe I'm going to go on a run now in the shoe and see how I handle it. The dosage is time, right? And then we have intensity as another variable there. So you got to kind of work your way in slowly with both of those things, but don't go from like zero to 60, like I said, with any of these things. So there's always a testing period to see how your body's going to handle a different stress, especially in the feet. So go low and slow there. Cool. Well, let's talk about um, some of the ways and mechanics and maybe the tools that you use to strengthen the foot. So we talked about the shoe shape, structure, the variables you want to look for. How do you rehabilitate someone's foot in a more specific kind of way? So one of the first things that we actually look at is I have something called an OptiGate in my clinic where actually we measure people's gait parameters. So I put people on a treadmill. I have this really cool system that has strips on both sides with laser lights. And as the patient walks on the treadmill, as they interrupt the laser lights, it's actually giving me measurements and a number of their parameters from, I see uh, gate symmetry, single support, uh, load response, which is heel strike to toe off. I'm able to get all these different parameters and then I'm able to get the variability of each of these parameters of what they're producing. Now, one of the, the three I kind of focus on the most is the symmetry of our gait. So this has to do with biomechanics, right? And just how we're moving and how efficiently we can move. So from left to right, your stride, right? We stride left and right. How much, how much of a space is here in the symmetry of gait? Now we're not built to be completely symmetric, but there's a range, an optimal range that we need to fall under for us to, to have function. So typically, if I see this massive amount of asymmetry in their gait, of course, there's going to be associations with pain. So typically, this person has back issues or they're having issues structurally because they're kind of like off kilter all day. And this is putting too much stress on their joints and then they're producing pain. The other piece is load response. So this tells me a little bit more about the integrity of your feet. This is when you heel strike when you walk and then your, your foot rolls forward and you push off on your toe. Now, ideally, when we do this, we should be able to reproduce almost the same step almost every single time or within a close, good range, right? So if we have a higher amount of variability when we heel strike to toe off, that tells me that we're unstable so that the foot is not stable at all and we're going to have issues. 
Now, getting into this real quick, you know, there are about 90% 90, 90 of the population has what are called pronated feet, which means their feet just flare out slightly, okay? So if people, if you look down at your feet when you walk, you may notice they flare out a little bit, your toes point out. So this means you're pronated. And then about 10%, maybe I think it's 90, 95 or 5% of the population have, so 5 to 10% have supinated feet, which these people are pigeon-toed, their, their toes point in a little bit. Now this just means like naturally you were born and biomechanically your feet are set up in a little bit different manner, but this actually plays into the integrity of your biomechanics and how you basically load your foot as you move through space. So for example, with pronated feet, where we get in trouble, man, is a lot of people, it's only sometimes one side of the body that they're struggling with this excessive pronation. So for example, somebody who has pronated feet, when they step, they load that heel, their foot comes forward and that medial arch will collapse. So we have a collapse of the medial arch of the foot, which causes internal rotation of the knee. And then the hip will internally rotate. And then the pelvis comes forward and anterior tilts. And then the whole, your whole distortion of your posture gets thrown off. So then we're kind of like, I call it like having a flat tire on one side of your body. So I use the analogy like a car going down the road, right? So if you had a flat tire, the car is just going to pull to one side and then you're overworking and then all of your other tires are going to wear out really fast, right? Because mm. you're trying to over, they're, they're just burning out, right? So it's no different with our bodies. Number one, if you're going down the road, our bodies, we need to be in neutral. Our alignment can't be off. That's your posture, right? And otherwise, if it's not happening, we're going to overwork. And your feet are a big part of this postural distortion. So you can see how quickly when the foot is not, optimal in function, we don't have that good foundation, how it can start to cause problems all the way up the biomechanic chain. That's such a good analogy relating it to a flat tire. I, mean, oh, yeah. I think that that visual for people was so profound and just the realization of, you know, my thoracic pain or headaches, maybe even, or low back pain, of course, or knee pain or hip pain, you know, can all often be correlated down to just the biomechanics of the feet. Um, absolutely that was a beautiful way of describing that well and the other way I'll, I'll talk to people is i'll explain from a from a neurology type place when the foot hits the ground we get a lot of proprioceptive input to our brain like you were talking earlier and that's actually what helps this firing pattern of our biomechanics and the musculature all the way up up, up into the head so for example if you're not getting a lot of feedback in that foot because you're dysfunctional the hip doesn't fire properly so then the fit, the hip becomes unstable and then your low back's going to start to bother you on that side. And then there's always going to be compensation. So then you have compensation happening across the biomechanic chain. And then you wonder why your muscles are tight and we have trigger points and then we're starting to have pain and then there's wear and tear in our joints. So you can kind of see this onslaught of like a snowballing effect, mm -hmm. literally because you can have an issue in the feet. So let's, let's pause there for a moment. Like how many people are spending time, money, resources um, on like their shoulder pain, their low back pain, you know, you're getting the massages done, you're getting the acupuncture and uh, I mean, all of this stuff's great. And, and, and yet we maybe haven't even dealt with the actual reason for why the pain is there and, and something is, 
simple and complex is just the biomechanics of foot, muscle weakness and whatnot, and this whole like trickle trickle up effect of of a pain syndrome that that's actually has nothing to do with the area that you're being treated on. Um, to talk to that a little bit because I mean as, <laughs> I always love watching you work with people. I think it's fascinating. Anyone that is really doing any sort of physical skeletal muscle work that's treating you where the pain is probably doesn't really know what's going on. Um, and I've been so, guilty of that before too. Oh, it hurts there. Great. We'll just do an injection there to relieve that pain. But I, I haven't done my due diligence to actually look deeper at what's going on. And then, so yeah, if you could speak to that kind of thinking, that'd be helpful. Well, I got to admit too, man, I'm guilty of that as well. You know, we're not taught any differently and we kind of go after that coming out of school because that's just the knowledge we have at hand, but it doesn't yeah. work very well after you try it after a while. So in the words of one of our mentors who we've had on our podcast, uh, Dr. Perry Nicholson, hmm. the Lymph Mojo, if you guys have listened to those, those podcasts, he has a, a website called Stop Chasing Pain. And I love his name. It's so awesome. Such a great name to use because he's absolutely right. And it's something that I literally preach to all my clients all the time is we don't chase pain. You know, 99% of the time, the pain is not coming from where you're actually experiencing it. It's coming from other places or other systems are not doing their job. And that's allowing that pain to set in. So the other piece of that is pain doesn't come from your body. It comes from your brain. Your brain determines where you're going to experience pain. So the biggest way I like to describe pain is pain is nothing more than your brain letting you know that something needs to be addressed in your body but you cannot chase and go directly where the pain is because most of the time it has nothing to do with the problem. Mm -hmm. So for example, we just kind of talked about, you know, like something as simple as somebody that has like shoulder pain, for example. So you can have an issue like I'm talking with your feet and you could have an issue with your master system and your spine that's causing the issue of why your shoulder hurts but you maybe only get so far with addressing one because you're not addressing the other. The whole idea is to find all these systems that are playing a role in that pain. And sometimes I don't even, I don't even address the area where the pain is. I'm addressing all these other areas to get the person out of pain. And like Dr. Nicholson, like Perry says, I'm going to work on all the areas that you don't know that you're having pain to help the area where you have pain. Right. And that's, it's, there's a lot of truth in that, right? And so the biggest thing I would tell people is don't chase it because it's usually somewhere else. Like the knee, for example, the chronic knee pain. If it's not a trauma to the knee and you just are experiencing like chronic pain in the knees, you have an issue either probably with your foot or your hip or your low back. So the neural component, I always speak a little bit since we're talking about feet, whenever people have an issue with the foundation of the feet, maybe there's some atrophy there in the, in the, in the plantar vault, and we have a lot of issues going there and it's affecting the biomechanics. And then I also see an issue in the spine where they have a subluxation pattern there and there's a neural component. I tell them you have an upstream downstream problem. We're not communicating from the brain downstream to the foot. And that's causing part of the problem. And the other problem is your foot is not strong enough to basically give us a healthy foundation to stabilize that side of your body, kind of like the flat tire analogy I gave you. Mm -hmm. So it kind of be like a car going into the electrical system, fixing a lot of the electrical system, but they're just leaving the flat tire. I'm only going to get so far mm -hmm. or vice versa. 
I'm going to blow up the tire, but the electrical system is still blown out. You see how many things can be missed here if you don't look at all the things that can influence the pain that you're experiencing. So it's not as simple, like you're saying, as just going to where we're hurting and trying to just get rid of pain there. Typically, when people are doing that, man, when you think about it, it's all from a symptomatic approach. Mm -hmm. So like you said, like, I used to just go inject in that area. Well, yeah, because you were trying to get the inflammation down or address the pain in that in that fashion or form. For, but for most people, you've probably experienced that these injections aren't very successful. A lot of times when you're just trying to go after that joint or that area where you have pain and there's inflammation, because there's other issues that you're not seeing or the practitioner has not helped you find the other things that are playing into that dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Well, that's just it. I mean, it, it can take care of some of the, the brain communication stressor that's going on, but we haven't really resolved the reason for why that was there to begin with. And uh, yeah, I, I often refer back to Perry's stuff too. And just, you know, looking at pain as a, a stagnation, there's a lack of flow, the distribution of lymph and inflammatory particles and, and cells and things like that aren't actually flushing out of these different tissues, which then have referral pain and so much, you know, and so much other stuff that goes on. Um, so the, the, yeah, the way you described that was, was, was perfect. Um, I have a couple other questions to ask you on in relation to the rehabilitation part. I know, so you, let's go back. You found out a gate, a proper gate analysis. You've discovered where they're loading, how they're, how they're releasing, how they're, how they're moving. Um, what are some other strategies that you implement to strengthen that foot? Well, so typically when I do my assessment, I'm looking, I'm taking a a vitalistic approach like I do with anything with the body, right? So if you even just narrow down my approach I take with the whole body, you can zoom it into one area of the body and take the same approach, right? So you look at like the foot, for example, we have the, the passive system, which is the bones and the ligaments and the joints, and we see what the integrity, integrity of that system is. And then we look at the active system. Uh, do we have atrophy of these muscles? Uh, are the muscles getting communication from the brain? So I have to evaluate and see, is there a connection or is there a loss of communication from the brain to the foot? So that's the active subsystem and that's the muscles, right? And then we have the neural component. So believe it or not, even cord tension within your column can make an effect all the way down your ankle and your feet just because you have cord tension and maybe some tension up and even as high as the neck, man, for example. And then your emotional and your mental health actually can play into some of these things and influence all these other subsystems. So once I determine which systems are struggling, then we have to go in and address those systems. So for example, if the passive system is is an issue, we have to get the active system back online to stabilize it. And then I have to strengthen those muscles if they're atrophied to get that passive system to have better integrity. So you see how you can't just address one and get a full resolution of the problem. If I don't strengthen that foot, they can't hold integrity in the joints and the feet. If I don't get the communication back online to to those muscles, those muscles will not rebuild themselves and they won't stabilize the joint either. And if there's a neural component, again, we're not gonna get that communication and what we need downstream. So for example, we'll use, like we talked, we don't use orthotics anymore. So I got rid of orthotics a couple of years back I was using a, I used a product for about four or five years called Barefoot Science. And this was an interesting product because what it did over time is it was a, it wasn't an orthotic. It was like an insole that you would buy in a shoe, 
but you would level up over time. So you'd put these little levels under the vault of the foot and you'd slowly raise the, the plantar vault up over time. And there would be anywhere from five to seven levels. And as you raise the vault, it mimics kind of walking in like on a beach in sand and walking in thick sand. So if anybody's walked on a beach and I like using this, this uh, analogy, you'll notice that your feet and calves get really sore after you walk on the beach for a long time. And the reason is because you're using the muscles in your feet when you walk on the beach, you're actually having to push off and grab that sand. So these insoles would mimic something similar to that, but very gently over time. And so progressively, as we'd level these people up, their plantar vault and those muscles would strengthen. And that was number one, like a home run for plantar fasciitis and a lot of other issues. But I would able to get better integrity and rebalance these people's foundation back out. And then, of course, depending on the case, we have to work on the hip and the low back and, and other things. But as far as the foot's concerned, that was a really good thing that I would use to actually strengthen the foot. So now I use a product called A-Lines. And the reason for that is uh, not to knock on barefoot science, but they're made a little bit better. They hold up a lot longer. My barefoot science were lasting like eight to 12 months. These will last at least people at least two years before they kind of wear out. But these were developed by a physical therapist, the guy that developed those Vibram rubber oh, yeah. soles, and then a, a guy that helped them just put the company together. But they have a very interesting approach, but they have like an energy system that's built to start redistributing the weight in, uh, in the insole to get the heel to the toe stride proper and to move the energy through the bottom of the foot properly. And then what we do is we put them on a measurement system where we make sure that their knees and their hips are lining up with their feet in proper alignment. So we're making sure that the foot is having proper alignment with the lower extremities. Because like I talked earlier, a lot of times when we have atrophy of these muscles in the feet, you'll see internal rotation of the knee and the hip. So if you don't correct that component, so what we do on these insoles now is we can customize them by putting these little tabs under the heels of the insole. And that helps make these minor adjustments. So that when the person puts it in their shoe, it's pulling the knee and the hip back into alignment with the foot. So we get wow. this nice, even keel. And then after about three months, they pull the tabs out of the insole. So the idea is to strengthen the foot and get used to that alignment to where everything is in alignment in the lower extremities and the feet. And then once the foot is strengthened, we just pull the tabs out and they don't need the tabs anymore because they've already strengthened there. So we use, the, we use those insoles to strengthen and just get the structure of the foot back where it needs to be. And then I'll do, of course, if there's a neural component, we work on the spinal cord, we work on the spine, it's their spinal health. You know, we do a lot of adjusting of the foot and the ankle, the knee, the hip, anything that we need to just to start to help that adaptation. So one of the biggest things I tell people with feet is it's not gonna be an overnight thing. Depending on the severity of the foot problem, it's going to take time once you start this process to move through it before you're going to see a lot of improvement in pain and discomfort. There is no shortcut. So it's kind of sad because I see people doing injections in their feet. I see people doing like expensive laser treatments in the foot. I see them do all these things to, to address a lot of issues in the foot and they're not touching the cause of their pain, the cause mm -hmm. of their problems in their feet. So it, it takes a little bit of time is the biggest thing, depending on your severity. And the other thing I would tell you is it's adaption. So the body is like glass. It can be reshaped. We talked about this last week, how even breath changes the shape of our body. Your foot's no different. So when you go down a journey like this to fix your feet, 
as we make changes, there's different stressors on your body and your body has to adapt to those stressors. But through that adaption is where we find that healing and that improvement in these biomechanics and our integrity and things like that. So you just have to be patient and be okay with going through a process, but it pays off, man. It's awesome. And I've had people that have struggled with foot pain for decades and just have not gotten anywhere. And they come into me and I say, look, you're looking at probably like four to six months of us working on this and having to wear these things and coming in for tune-ups and letting me do this. But I promise you, it'll, you'll eventually start to progress your way. And I've had some people, man, it takes like six to eight weeks before all of a sudden the pain starts to lower and dissipate. And then maybe like two months later, it's like gone. So it took four months for them to completely get out of pain, but that's because their baseline was so bad that they had to go through a lot of discomfort of dealing with that adaptation before their foot, their feet built up enough integrity to, to heal. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, I can't but think like, you know, we did a whole podcast on earthing and grounding and, um, and you mentioned just even the strength that happens with walking on a beach. What do you think it would be like for someone to, you know, slowly incorporate more of that just barefoot walking into their life? Do you think we could get to, I mean, similar results if, if people did something like that or were really conscious about that? Like, what, what do you think about that? So for some, you know, I'll hear some people discuss and tell me like, oh, I can't walk barefoot around my house. It kills my feet. So if you're somebody that that's where your baseline is, right. probably not a great idea to try to walk barefoot and like do more stuff to see what happens. That means that we're in pretty bad shape. We probably need to do some other things. But if you're not somebody that's there and you can manage to walk around barefoot around your house, and there's really no issues. Yeah, I mean, we can move from that that place to, okay, if I can walk on the beach, I'm going to get a lot of strengthening in my feet and my lower extremities, right? Great thing. Walk in some thick sand. It doesn't have to be the beach. You can go to one of these playgrounds that has all that playground sand and walk around the sand in that playground. Uh, walk on the rocks at your house. I remember when I was a little kid, we used to like walk through the rocks. And if you notice when you walk through these une uneven surfaces or even rocks, you're constantly having to fire and your yeah. body makes all these adjustments, right? As you're walking through the rocks, but that's, you're just, you're getting that responsiveness and there's, there's firing patterns helping there. Right. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have to find your baseline and then move some of these things into action, whether it's like, walking outside in the grass or the rocks or the sand. But yeah, being barefoot's great, man. It's really good for your feet. Um, and like I said, depends on where we're starting. So I would love to walk barefoot. I wear some shoes from Vivo Barefoot. I think I've told you about those. Those are built for barefoot walking. Uh, if you're someone who doesn't struggle with barefoot walking, I highly advise somebody to try those. I tell my patients all the time about them. I have a lot of patients that love them. It's become their everyday shoe. They wear them to their, they wear them to work now. They love them so much, but great shoe. Uh, I noticed with me, you know, when I would wear regular shoes by the very maybe last hour of work on my long days, I'd have a lot of stiffness in my low back. But when I wear my Vivo Barefoots, I don't get stiff on that latter part of the day. And I notice there's better integrity. Why? Well, I'm getting more responsiveness during the day wearing that barefoot shoe, shoe at work. And I'm on my feet all day, man. I'd like never sit. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so, I mean, even just playing with trying a new shoe, right? Something maybe a little bit more responsiveness than what you already have now. So what I would invite people to do is to just try some of these things. And just kind of see where you're starting. And then as you're progressing through, just keep the journey going. It's amazing. Well, I think that's a, that's a good 
you know, pin to put in this discussion. Obviously, we'll come back to it from a different uh, vantage point of the body, but uh, you shared such an incredible things about how to rehabilitate the foot, things to look for, you know, uh, with a proper gait analysis. You know, maybe it's finding someone nearby that can sort of teach you about the biomechanics and then learn about proper rehabilitation. Uh, maybe you can put in the note in the notes about A-line and, and maybe how to contact you because I imagine some of the stuff you could probably coach people uh, that that maybe don't live locally even you know yeah. they're tuning to this podcast and and i mean you've got so much information that maybe they can just ch- you know reach out to you and say hey can you kind of coach me through this on online and uh, and because i think like the reward is huge i mean if you can remove back pain and some of these chronic issues these chronic pains that just shouldn't be there because you've corrected biomechanics um sometimes you don't have to even do that you know locally or physically you can do that with proper coaching um online Absolutely. as well yeah. Um, anything else that you can think of that, that people would need to know about, uh, you know, now that we've sort of stirred this conversation? Um... The biggest thing I would tell people is, you know, we, we talked about at the beginning, plantar fasciitis is probably one of the biggest things that I see and that I hear almost a lot of people struggle with, right? Like, I, I'm sure you see a lot of people that struggle with that as well. Yeah. And the biggest thing I would tell people, that is caused because of weak feet, period. That's it. It's just weak feet. So you need to strengthen your feet if that's the issue. There is no shortcuts to fixing this issue. There's all kinds of contraptions, like I said earlier, from people wearing splints at night. I mean, it's ridiculous, man. The bandwagon of symptom care for plantar fasciitis. It's crap, honestly. Like, I, I joke about it, but like I tell people, like, with someone who's just got like a mild plantar fasciitis, I can knock it out in like two weeks with just some very simple, you know, recommendations. And if it's severe, it may take longer, but I mean, it's an easy fix when you get to the root of why you're having a problem. So go after the why of your, of your pain, whether it's a foot or a knee or a hip or a back issue, like we're talking and like, like we're understanding, like we said, and I'm glad you brought it up is don't chase the pain. Mm-hmm. Don't chase the pain because that's not why the problem is there most of the time. Yeah. And, you know, on the topic of um, some home, maybe percussion tools or maybe home foam rolling or ball rolling. Yeah, yeah. Is, that'd be is great. there some home stuff you could do like that? Or like, I mean, I've used rapid release with, with great relief for people for, for plantar fasciitis. Again, it's just working more in the lymphatic side of things, um, maybe some well, drainage or whatnot. But I'll tell you what I'll do. This is perfect because I need to do this for my patients. So I'm going to post another video on my YouTube channel and I'll probably awesome. add that to the notes because I need to do this for my patients. But one of my favorite things I give to people for their feet is three there's three things one is we roll the bottom of the foot out with a golf ball and i really like a golf ball because i feel like it's the best tool we can use to really get into those muscles of the plantar vault and then into those intrinsic muscles between those metatarsals of the plantar fascia and then we stretch our calves and our anterior tip so there's two calf stretches there's a gastroc uh, stretch which is your upper calf this is the calf stretch that almost everybody knows how to do where they put their hands up against the wall and their heels flat on the ground and they're pushing forward. And then there's the soleus. Now the soleus is actually the bottom part of your calf. This is actually the muscle that's usually a whole lot tighter than that top muscle that most people miss because it plays into the musculature of the feet. So in that video, I'll have the two stretches for the gastroc on the soleus. I'll show you the proper pattern to go in when you actually release the bottom of the foot because we actually have to start with the lateral arch go across the transverse, then come back to the medial arch. 
And then the last piece is stretching the anterior tip, which is the front end of the lower leg and these peroneals and stuff here on the side. So just between those three stretches, madam, as people are progressing and strengthening their feet, you'll see a lot of improvement, just getting some elasticity in those muscles to help as you're rebuilding and strengthening the foot. So good, man. Wow. I always learn a ton every time that we get a chance to talk. And I mean, you, we did a deep dive today on, on foot health and biomechanics and everything. And uh, we really did bring that consciousness down into the feet. So, <laughs> so good, buddy. Um, and I think that's a good home play, you know, watch the video that David's going to share. Uh, um, I mean, it's going to be just lifestyle recommendations for, you know, some regular support. And, you know, I found this, and I hate seeing, I hate seeing the word like it's cause I'm getting older, but there's a reality of living longer on the planet that there is going to be more uh, maybe fascial contraction, more, uh, you know, movement impingement because of, you know, posture and work and whatnot. But I find that if, if I don't do my self care, like I love doing foam rolling, I love stretching. I do love doing my yoga and all those things. And I don't like going more than a day without doing something that involves really working on the active, like he broke down the structures of the body from a passive point of view, the, the ligaments, the tendons, the, the skeletal or the skeletal system. And then you've got the, the, the active, which is all that musculature and the fascia and whatnot. And that, that does need a daily application of some sort or like, I mean, even weekly for some things, but I find that I'm just a better, I'm more mobile. I'm more, I feel more fluid. I feel less pain. I feel, you know, more fluid in my body when, when I'm doing that self-care. So I, I think that that's going to be a great video for people to see. Well, and I love how you talked about that. Cause basically what you're, what you're the process of what you focus on is just constantly bringing coherence to these systems right. by addressing them by your lifestyle. Right. And that's the beautiful thing. When we talk about these daily practices of like waking up and you doing your yoga or working out or, you know, you're working on different systems of the body. And when we can get all these systems online, there's this beautiful coherence that takes place. And then we just feel better. Mm -hmm. Love it. David Wardy, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today, buddy. I uh, look forward to next week. This was awesome, man. I've had an itch to talk about the feet. So this was good. <laughs> I'm glad we scratched it, buddy, because, uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's an important one. And like I said, as you're speaking, I just kept thinking of all the different people that, you know, maybe it's, feet aren't necessarily sexy, um, but it's it's one of those foundational tools and, and, and areas of understanding that can have such an impact, especially when we're talking about pain. So oh, uh, huge. Really, really great information. Thank you. Thank you, man. That was fun. I enjoyed it. All right, brother. We'll see you next week. All right, brother. Love you, man. Love you, too. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to subscribe to the Dr. Dads and share with your family and friends. You can also follow and interact with Dr. Nick and Dr. David on Facebook and Instagram for a daily dose of inspiration and the latest in health and wellness. Be well.